Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. During the last three or last two years of my addiction, I was homeless in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping in a porta potty in yeah. Connecticut, um, in, in East Haven, Connecticut. I was sleeping in a porta potty, and it was a handicap sized porta potty, so it was just big enough for me to lay down, uh-huh. like make a little big, a little bed, you know. And when it rained or snowed, the underneath had cracks in it, so there would be rain and uh, like water, the water all seeping through. And there, there was times where I would use that rain inside on the floor of the fucking porta potty to shoot up with. Damn. Like that's that's how fucking the, the insanity is so real with that. Support for Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code KDD. Your balls will thank you. Inside the 5150 studios, this is Knocking Doors Down. I'm your host, Jason Lachance. Of course, my co-host over there, Mike Iraqi. What's up, good sir? What is going on, people? Of course, I have a background of addiction with alcoholism, some childhood trauma, some sexual abuse, divorce, been through the ringer of things. But hey, we turn those adversities into an advantage in our passion. Mr. Iraqi, no different. Yeah, you know, got myself busted a time or two. Eh, toot, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, cocaine was definitely the drug of choice. Well, I'm glad that you're not, because that allowed us to take those experiences during those times and do what we do here on Knocking Doors Down. And our guest today, Skinny Vinny, no different. Skinny Vinny. It's fun to say that. Say it again. Skinny Vinny. Hell of a great guy. Um, if you don't know who Skinny Vinny is, uh, a lot of great skateboarding content and other viral video content. He's out there filming and producing it. But boy, what a crazy background he came from. Yeah, definitely been through some shit, that's for sure. Yeah, losing his father at an early age. Uh, and you'll hear how he talks about his substance abuse and how his mom really suffered, especially after the loss of uh, not only one, not only two, but three of her husbands. And it took a real toll and trauma on her uh, to the point of where actually uh, she was kind of one of the early teachers to Vinny of his drug usage. Yep, yep, you'll find that out. Trust me, he's got a great sense of humor and he's going to tell you how he literally went from the outhouse to the penthouse. He was living in a portable shitter and had to deal with not only living on the streets, but the elements as well. And it's amazing to hear how he turned his life around. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Real uh, real inspiration, that's for sure. And, of course, we can't be doing this without our sponsor, 5150LTM. That's right, 5150LTM. Live the madness by going to 5150LTM.com wear the gear that we do and uh, it's all about a lifestyle pursuing your passion and going after it in life that's right it's all about going after it all right skinny vinny first i want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story yeah yeah absolutely. Um, thank you for your time yeah and, and that's just something that really means a lot to me um as you know, like, like try to give back what was so freely given to myself. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I'm trying to do. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Well, it's good to have you on Skinny Vinny. Um, for people who don't know, a little bit of background. You know, you pursued in the world of skateboarding, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, now you're doing uh, different videos, tours, and all kinds of cool shit out there. So uh, a little bit about that real quick before we, we jump into the backstory. Yeah. So uh, right now... Um, I've been on tour for the last seven weeks now. Um, just, I, I was living in LA, uh, in a sober living Mm -hmm. and I was in that sober living for almost three years. 
uh, was a client for nice. eight of those for eight months. And they, uh, they hired me as a driver, bumped me to a manager. And then towards the end of it, I was program director for like the last year of it. And I was running two houses in LA mm-hmm. Wow! and, um, I was living in the garage for those three years and, um, they weren't charging me rent after I was a client. So that was a blessing in disguise, you yeah. know, just being able to save money and, uh, and then work on what we've been doing for the past few years. So, I said, fuck it, man. I, I packed up all my shit in my car and I planned out a, a, um, a trip around the country and I stopped in a bunch of states, a bunch of people who I've worked with, a bunch of people who I didn't work with yet and um, got a bunch of gold footage. And um, now I'm in my hometown of Connecticut, hanging with my mother for a couple of weeks. And nice. um, I'm going down to Bam's house this weekend. Oh, and we were then, just uh, there. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, after Bams, we're going to Travis Pastrana's and, um, after Travis's, I'm going to go pick up my girl in Texas and then we're flying to LA to celebrate my three years. Awesome. Very man. cool. Congratulations yeah. on coming up on the three years. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. It's, it's been a trip, man. For somebody who can never get past 30 days to have three years. It's a fucking <laughs> miracle. Hell yeah. You know? dude. Well, it, yeah. and you'd say that 30 days, was that a lot of trying to white knuckle it and not reaching out to uh, uh, groups, yeah. resources and stuff? Yeah. Um, for me, it was, yeah, a lot of white knuckling. Um, really, I, I was just doing it to to like please my mom and pl- sometimes please the courts and kind of just shut um, everybody re- up. Yeah. Just to shut everybody up. I, I never really wanted to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it was just to get my tolerance down. Sometimes it was because I was homeless and needed a place to sleep for a little bit, you know, and, um, can never get past 30 days. I, I think the far before this sobriety, I could, I think the longest I got was 28 days mm-hmm. wow. and, uh, just still no intentions of stopping whatsoever. You know, like sure. I, I had that prelapse in my head the first week of treatment, you know, yeah. in and out of treatments for years. I think the first treatment I was in, I was 25 and I'm 33 now. Mm-hmm. So, um, just in and out of places for years and homelessness for years. And it just, just no intentions of stopping. So was your substance of choice just like anything under the sun or did you have like a preference on? Um, it was pretty much anything under the sun, but it was mostly heroin. Heroin. Okay. Um, heroin was my get down. Mm-hmm. I loved heroin more than life itself. Right. It's right. once I found opiates, it was over, you yeah. know, um, starting with Percocets back in 2009, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't, the transition to heroin wasn't that quick. I, I sticked with perks and oxys for a few years. And, right. and then um, when money started getting tight and obviously heroin's cheaper and higher and yeah. um, that's, that's what I started to do. And then the transition to, uh, to IV use was quick, yeah. you know, from w- when I first started heroin, maybe a week later, I'm, I'm shooting up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when shit really hit the fan. <laughs> so was it like rewinding a little bit? Were you, what was it like growing up? Did, were you around it or did it just kind of come about like with the people you were around? So, um, my mom is a ex heroin addict. Okay. She, uh, uh, alcoholism and, and addiction runs in my family pretty sure. much right. uh, all around. Mm-hmm. And, um, my mom was a heroin addict, but she, she, uh, it's, I think it's been 20, 20 years now. She hasn't uh, touched it, but she's been on the methadone program mm-hmm. for the past 20 years. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure it's past the point of no return. Mm-hmm. She right. uses it for pain maintenance and she's gone through chemo a few times. So, and, and when you've been on the methadone program for so long, doctors, 
don't really tend to give you pain meds because you're on methadone. Right. So, um, so she uses that for the pain maintenance. So it's, it's pretty much the, the past the point of no return for her, which is okay. You know, she's been able to live, live a life and a, a manageable life, you know, as long as she's not shooting dope in her arms, like right. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could kind of remember like it was yesterday. She would, she would pick me up from school from like middle school or some shit. And she'd be nodding off the wheel driving home. Fuck. And my father passed when I was two. He got hit by a drunk driver when he was riding his Harley. Oh, wow. And my sister ran my sister ran away when she was like sixteen. I was maybe ten. And so it was just me and my mom. We had we were best friends. And um but one night she started nodding off the wheel and I was just like I started crying. I was like 10, 11 years old and I was like I was like, Listen, mom, you need to stop this shit or you're you're gonna lose me too. You're gonna be alone for the rest of your life. And from that the next day is when she got on the methadone program and ne- never touched the needle again. Oh, wow. So That's quick question. Awesome, Your sister, when she ran away at 16, has she been gone ever since or did she? No, oh, no. Okay. So the reason she ran away was her and my mother um, just didn't have a great relationship. Right, and right. she she ran to my grandmother's house um, and just lived with her yeah. for years. And um, she was never really in my life until like my late teens. And um we, we started a, a little relationship, but then I started getting into harder drugs. And mm-hmm. right. and, and when that started happening, she wanted nothing to do with me, yeah. which I don't blame because I, I was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we all are when I we're was in say, our addiction, we right? <laughs> yeah. Fucking assholes. Yeah. It's like, God, I definitely went, I don't like hanging out with that guy. Did Now, <laughs> I, I'm sorry here that I couldn't imagine the loss of your dad so early in your life. Was that kind of a big catalyst for your mom's substance use or was there kind of- so, alcohol and drugs being dabbled in the house prior um it, they were they were dabbled in the house prior but the, it definitely played a, a a huge role to it my mom dude my mom's story is insane she's had three husbands and all of them have passed oh, um wow. the first one uh got shot and 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 ended up dying uh my sister's father had a heart attack and then my father got hit by the the drunk driver when he was on his harley Damn. and um after my father she just gave up at right. that point, she was just like, I, I can't take this anymore. Right. Um, so, yeah, it definitely played a part, I would say. But there, there was always drugs and alcohol like dabbling around the house for sure. Yeah, yeah it's interesting you bring it up. It's, it's funny because, you know, as prior to the conversation, addiction to my family, uh, you know, my dad um, uh, was uh, more, you know, crank. But he did drink and stuff like that, but I have alcoholism on both sides of my family and substance abuse. And I was always the kid that when I remember seeing my mom hurt so much, I was like, ain't no way I'm doing that shit. So it's kind of ironic yep. you saying the same thing, mom, mm-hmm. you're going to lose me. But when did you really fa- start falling into substances? Was it a little bit later in your teen years, hanging out with buddies, so, starting with drinking or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the first thing, obviously, with like pretty much everybody is smoking weed, you know, and yeah. and with with uh, me and my mom having such a good relationship, the first time I smoked weed, I felt like I it, I had to tell her, you know, I felt like I was doing something wrong and I had to tell her. And so when, when I told her, she was just like, as long as you don't put anything in your arm or, or anything up your nose, I'm okay with it, you know? Right. And I kind of took that and ran with it, took advantage of it. As and, any um, youth would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then it got to the point where me and her would be smoking together and, um, she would buy an ounce. I would buy an ounce, and it would, and and it it was okay. I mean, looking back at it now, it's not okay. I can <laughs> right, right, totally right. see it, you know. But back, like in the moment, I thought everything was fucking perfect, you know. I'm like hanging out with my mom, we're smoking weed, and 
then it got to the point of um, like hallucinogens, LSD, Molly, ecstasy. And then it got to the point where like, I'm eating LSD with my mom. <laughs> and, and, um, and still like everything was okay. Life was great. You know, I, yeah. I like, I was doing okay in school. I played baseball, played basketball. Like my grades were okay. Like I wasn't an, uh, like an honor student, but I wasn't a bad student, you know? And, um, and then like after high school, the hallucinogens and nitrous, really started to get out of hand um i took a year off of school and then the opiates came into the picture when i got my wisdom tooth taken out Uh. and they they prescribed me like like really low milligram of volume or some shit i can't really remember but when when i got home i was just in so much pain i was literally in tears and at this point a lot of my friends were already dabbling in percocets and oxys and a couple of my buddies were selling them and but I was always so against opiates because I, I've seen what it did to my mom. I saw what it did to my uncle. So I, I tried my hardest just to not fuck with it. And, but that night I was just in so much pain and my buddy was like, Hey man, here, I, I won't even charge you. Just eat it. You know? And I was like, all right, fuck it. Give it to me. And it knocked me out, out cold. And I woke up and I was like, I want more. Yeah. I, it like fucking instantly, you know, it, it was like, it was like a, a warm security blanket that I've been searching for my whole life. Yeah. And when I, when I first felt that it was just like, okay, that's a wrap. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> with yeah. like no care yeah. at all. And that's um, the thing that I think people don't understand it, that aren't addicts and, and, you know, God bless them and genetics and everything that they're not susceptible to. They, they just don't understand. But you said it there, that security blanket that all of a sudden it's like, Ah, you know, I can fucking yeah, I can settle in because because it's like you, oddly that that groove that people work so hard to like achieve and be in that you know that state, that's mm-hmm. what you start to feel and it's like life fucking makes sense in that moment and exactly you know, yeah, it, yeah, it was uh, the and the then the progression from. It wasn't too quick, but it was like okay. This was around when uh, when Rob Deardex Fantasy Factory was on TV. I love because, that show. Yeah, because because <laughs> I remember I would set a date. Like I, I wouldn't be doing them all day every day. I, I would set a date. I'm like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy two perk thirties, and I'm gonna eat them right before Rob Deardex Fantasy Factory, and I'm just gonna chill and watch the show. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and that's what it was for a while for like the whole first fucking season, you know, and and that was that was my routine. And then like after the first season, it would be like, OK, I'm going to I believe it was on Thursday nights. So it was, went from Thursday nights, then like Thursday and Saturdays and then Thursdays and Saturdays to Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then it then fucking quickly every fucking day. And right. where I'm from in Connecticut, those things aren't cheap, you know, so yeah. and so then I and to rewind a little bit, my mom she was the first one to teach me how to sell drugs. She, she told, she bought me a scale, bought me some baggies and she, and and it was always our house that all the homies would come to, to come hang out, smoke, you know? And and so she was like, here, if you want to make some money and smoke for free here, weigh this shit out, bag it up, sell to your friends. You'll be able to smoke for free and make a little money on the side. Mm -hmm. So when, and I also took that and ran with it, took advantage of it. So that's sure. when I was like, okay, I need to start. I, I can't be spending all this money on, on Percocets. And so that's when I started to sell them and all the way to house getting raided a couple times. And the small town that I live in, nobody really liked me. I, I was, I was known as uh, just the, the dude who got all the teens 
hooked on drugs, you know? And <laughs> so what age were you when your mom was teaching you to sell and all that stuff? I was 16 when she, when, when that happened. Oh shit. So you were kind of set up for, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, the good yeah. news is you acknowledged it and pulled yourself out of it though. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So that, totally. That's... Like, could have ended yeah, a yeah. lot worse. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. I like. I, I'm. I'm super blessed and grateful that I could like look back at these things and sure. laugh. Sure. Um. And and now like realize the things that have fucked me up and yeah. like, <laughs> emotionally, mentally. You know. Yeah. And and, uh, and just I, I've learned from it. You know. And, and the and the crazy part about it is, I don't regret it. Yeah. Sure. I, I, made you who you I, are today. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the person who I am today, it's I, I'm just content i'm happy mm -hmm. and literally following what i've been wanting to do since i was 10 years old yeah yeah, yeah so you're so on tour now you're filming you're doing all that good stuff that uh, yeah I, as a former skateboarder i obviously mm -hmm. had to quit because you know skateboarding once you get to so i'm 31 that's about yep. 52 in skateboard years. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. So um, yeah. if you're not making money off skateboarding, it's probably time to just find a job because you know, yeah. say you can't work with a broken yeah. ankle. As a former skateboarder, who has been like your dream person, dream skater that you've been able to film with? Um, Bam was a was a big one. Yeah, Bam. Um, I, I didn't I didn't film skateboarding. We, we've done some other videos. Oh, okay, but um, but he was a huge one. Andy Roy. Oh, um, Andy that Roy, was a, yeah. that was a big one, um, and uh, it's it's crazy, man. Just growing up, idolizing these guys. Yeah, hell like, yeah. Literally having posters of Bam and Andy all over my wall. Oh, dude, Bam man. was the shit. Still is. Like yeah. he was yeah, one of the coolest the people shit. I've ever yeah. met. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we we yeah. get to Philly and we're just like, oh yeah, we're staying here and here. He's like, why don't you just call me? You could have stayed here. Yeah. Think of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 crazy to just even think. Like I said, like having posters of him on my wall growing up, and now um, I'm a, like I can go to the castle whenever I want. Yeah, you know? just call up Ape and be like, hey, uh, I, I want to come skate, you know, and like the, give give me the gate code. Yeah, and um and I so what I do is like every major holiday for the past like two years, me and uh, me and Zach ass we would make um like holiday cards for our fans mm -hmm. and we would just mail them out and but they're like really ridiculous cards like last valentine's day it was me and zach ass in a, in a naked in a bathtub f filled with uh the valentine's day candies and, <laughs> we, and we would mail out like a thousand of them you know yeah. and uh um and and nikki bam's wife sure. she would always ask for one and so now when i go there there's just these cards of me and zach <laughs> on the walls you know and it's, it's just like like coming from having bam on my wall to me being on the castle wall you know it's, yeah. it's a fucking trip man it's a trip yeah. dude. it's the fucking trip yeah that's yeah. awesome right when we pulled into his driveway i was telling jason i'm like oh fuck that's this is where they built the skate right over here's the mini <laughs> yeah there's a skate park over there like i'm just like i remember uh, all this shit i talked to ape yeah. on the phone too to get the gate code and i was yeah. just like i feel like we know each other i feel like i'm <laughs> part of your like you guys yeah. grew up in my tv set or i yeah. grew up yeah. with you guys in my tv set so it, it's just <laughs> an absolute trip i totally understand what you're saying as far as having the posters of them and now you're with them and they have yeah you know christmas cards of you naked on their fridge you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah but, man it's a it's a fucking trip to say the least because it wouldn't this my life today wouldn't be where it was if i didn't get sober yeah and yeah. it's 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 the the very first time in my life when i decided okay 
I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's best for me. I need help. Yeah. I got placed in a, in a sober living and that's where I met Zach ass. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking where it all started for me. You know, like I, I, I obviously knew who Zach ass was because of his internet presence. And, um, and, and I grew up filming. I, 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 there was a very long time, a good eight to 10 year run where I just threw all the passion for filming out the window, sold all my equipment, you know, and, and I just gave up on that dream. Cause one, I'm like in my late twenties at this point, you know, and I'm a fucking a homeless heroin addict. How the fuck am I going to get to where I want to be? You know? Yeah. So I just gave up. I didn't give a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I went to this sober living, it's where I met Zach and he needed a filmer at the time. So, and I, I told him my background and like, I've been fucking studying this shit for years and years and started when I was 10 and he invited me to film a video. And the very first video that I filmed with him was him. We, we attached a boxing glove to a, um, a gas powered RC car uh-huh. and we went to the Venice boardwalk and Zach is sp- spread Eagle on the ground. And we, we drove the, uh, the RC car 40, 30, 40 miles per hour into his nuts. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, it, like, it's like genius, you know, but it's like so dumb, but it's genius. And, <laughs> and we posted the video and all these people like, and, and, and take, and I'm a month sober at this point. And we filmed this video and legends like Tony Hawk and bam and all these people are liking and commenting and it reached up to like 300 K views. And I'm just like, Holy fuck. Something that I worked on is getting the attention from all these people. It's like, Holy shit. This is like, this is real. What the fuck? Like, how did I get here? This is what I've been wanting to do. Right. You know? And, and then it just evolved and it was like a snowball effect of this crazy fucking ride that we've been on mm-hmm. you know and and i owe a lot of it to zach you know i, I owe a fucking major part of it to zach and i'm sure. sorry where'd you say you me- met him at so I, I met him at uh design for recovery sober living okay. in, in uh west la that's the house that i eventually started to run right and right. um yeah and he, he was a client there and um all this info is public already so it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's cool um and uh yeah, and then, and then he he already had a huge name working with Steve-O and having right. the uh, the MTV show uh, Too Stupid to Die, and right. um, that show was it already finished filming. It hadn't come out yet, but they still needed to film promos for the show. So MTV was flying us back and forth to uh, to Indiana to film promos and stuff like that. And and I'm, and Zach was like, "All right, I saw that you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about. So come on, come 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 along." And and that's when I met the whole crew. And then I, then it became me being everybody's personal filmer for right. social media. Right. And, yeah. and the crew like Kyler, Cody, Chadwick, Megan, Tommy, Zach, and Chad Tepper, it was a very like crazy, uh, like eclectic group of people that just meshed very well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I was a little nervous, like meeting all of them for the first time, but it, it ended up going really well. And I started filming for all of them and shit just like started evolving again, you know, like a fucking major snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And we come back to LA and all these people start hitting us up, wanting to, wanting to just hang out with us. Like, like one time Dylan Francis and Zed hit us up wanting to film with us. And, and then, um, bam hit us up and we went to bam's party that one year. Um, and, 
that's when I started to get recognized just hanging out at the, at the castle. Like they're like, Oh, you're fucking Vinny. And I was like, what the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's been so many points in my life the past three years that it's like, I'm thinking like, how the fuck did I get here? I still sure. like still to this day, I think that, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that sounds like a trip. I got to ask. So you were, t- you've referenced a couple times being 10 years old and really starting to develop your passion. So was it a combination of a pass- passion for skateboarding, skateboarding, boarding videos or were you into film and television as well and you know just kind yeah. of like wanted to figure both out yeah it, it started off with this with the skateboarding and then um moved to skateboarding videos you know this was around the time with like zero dying to live yeah. toy machine jump off a building um oh, yeah. the america the america stay gold stay video gold, you know? baby america you know? was my shit yeah <laughs> those were the ones yeah. with the really killer soundtracks right I mean, when they could yeah, still they, access a lot of they the songs all had before. I was really say, they, all of the soundtracks are pretty badass. Yeah. But yes, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Before and, all the and, copyright issues. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Now you couldn't do those videos. There's no I fucking know, way. Man. You know what yeah, I was saying? And, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying in a past interview that um, when I was skateboarding, it was very like it was Baker 2G and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you had Reynolds yeah. and Greco Ellington who yeah. were just partying and it was just like fuck I want to be like that like those exactly. dudes are so cool they're sure. no shirt with a leather jacket you know all that mm-hmm. shit you know Greco's got his wad of money at the strip club and whatnot. Dustin Dolan Dustin yeah, Dolan the, all the piss yeah. drunks you know yeah. so yeah. it's weird be, well it's not weird it's awesome because nowadays it's cool to be sober because a lot yeah. of those skateboarders are all in sobriety sober you now. know yeah. Bam, Andy Roy uh, Reynolds mm-hmm. Ellington Greco I think Greco Novak. I, I want to say Greco's sober now. Greco's I, sober. I, I don't yeah. think Dolan is, but you get the picture. No. Like a mm-hmm. lot of those yeah. people, Novak as well, they're all sober mm-hmm. now. And you know, like Villager Goods, uh, Reynolds Drink with a whole bunch of other skaters, P Rod and stuff like that. They're promoting sobriety, and I feel like that's yeah. fucking awesome. Because when mm-hmm. I was younger, it was cool to be stoned, hammered as fuck, skating, just yeah. acting like a, just a mess, buffoon. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now they're promoting the sobriety. And it, I look at people like my nephews who are picking up skateboarding and I can show them videos of Reynolds and Ellington in the present doing things mm-hmm. that are healthy for you. Or like Neem yeah. Williams, who's really like an advocate. On the health like kick right now. Yeah. Stretching before, doing yoga, meditation, working out, mm-hmm. then going skateboarding. It's like, that's incredible. I love that. Because that's not how yeah. it was when we were skating. You know no, what I mean? not at all, dude. Like, I, like, yeah, we'll, we'll still, um, my my homie, Tom, he he was a huge baker head too. Oh, yeah. And, and we would always, even to this day, we'll still throw in the VHS and just like. I still got it in. too, man. Baker 2G, oh, baby. That's how I dude. fell in love with Gloria Van Morrison. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Nostalgia at its finest. Hell man. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely one of the best VHSs, dude. It's, For uh, sure. it's, and yeah, dude, all those guys like Reynolds and Neen and, and, uh, and Greco, you know, and, and, and Andy. Yeah. Dude, huge inspirations for me it, to the, to this day, you for know. Sure. And, and you're right, dude. It, it is like cool to be sober nowadays, and it's such an amazing thing to say that. And yeah. Like, like for somebody like Novak or Stevo, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I've been to a couple meetings with Stevo, and he's just so about it. And he told me one time, he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I when I did drugs, I took drugs to the extreme. Everything that I did was to the extreme. So when I got sober, I had to take being sober to the extreme." To the absolute and, stream, yeah. Yeah, and um, because I, I was I was kind of tripping out. At this point, I was like two years in the sober living, and 
I had some okay money saved up, but I was just like over of fucking being in a house of 20 dudes. Like, sure. I'm, I, like I had two years sober, you know, and I was just like fucking over it and no privacy sharing a bathroom with fucking 20 dudes. Yeah. Um, even though I'm running the place, like I have no rules to follow, you know, mm-hmm. other than being a, like a good person and like, and advocating like abstinence to drugs and alcohol, you know, like that's all I had to do. But still I was really tripping out about like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But yeah. there's been times where people like Steve-O have told me like, listen, I took drugs to the extreme. I needed, I had to take being sober to the extreme. I was in a sober living for almost two years because I wanted to give myself the best chance of staying sober long-term, right. you know? Well, and then that made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And yeah. Steve-O, I mean, he, I read a story on him where he went to his dealer's house, and this is all public now. He yeah, went to his yep. dealer's house and um, he wanted to get some Coke and he knew his dealer was HIV positive and his dealer had just <sighs> yeah. shot up. There was blood yeah. all over the place, including on a pile of Coke. But Steve-O mm-hmm. said fuck it and still did Coke with the HIV positive blood. Now, luckily, mm-hmm. you can't contract blood once it hits the air, it dies. So yeah. that's, yeah. he lucked out there. But to even not know that information at the time and still yeah. do it just goes to show how gnarly addiction is man it's just how insane it is man it's Mm. the insanity is so real when it comes to shit like that you know there's there's been times where like i've shared needles with people because i just didn't give a fuck yeah you know and luckily i'm okay you know thank god i'm okay yeah but um there's just been so many like like where i would use like like street water to oh, shoot yeah. up gutter yeah, water know. just like I, novak I, was saying too yeah you know <laughs> like I, I've, I've used gatorade iced tea we'll be back with more with skinny Vinny, and we'll talk about the depths his addiction went to social media spreading his story and passion some of his famous mentors and inspirations plus random questions valentine's day is upon us fellas make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Hey, we've all been there where, you know, stuff's about ready to go down, but you're not sure if your family jewels are quite ready for the situation. And let's be real, we've smelt the worst down there before. That's why I'm thankful for their Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. Are you saying hibbity dibbity? That's what I'm talking about. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code KDD. Happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. During the last 
three or last two years of my addiction, I was homeless in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping in a porta potty in yeah. Connecticut, um, in, in East Haven, Connecticut. I was sleeping in a porta potty, and it was a handicap sized porta potty, so it was just big enough for me to lay down, uh-huh. like make a little big, a little bed, you know. And when it rained or snowed, the underneath had cracks in it, so there would be rain and uh, like water, the water all seeping through. And there, there was times where I would use that rain inside on the floor of the fucking porta potty to shoot up with. Damn. Like that's that's how fucking the, the insanity is so real with that. Yeah. It's like when I when I look back and think of that now, I'm just like, dude, I'm a fucking idiot. Man. <laughs> well, that's yeah. kind of the when we were talking with Charlie Sheen and we had brought it up about uh, the accountability part. You know, when you're taking you start your steps in the in the program, you know, and it's like you look back on the things you did and it's like, fuck, I, there's no way I did that. That was this the insane. Um, yeah, you know, fucked up, gacked out of my mind, me. But then it's yeah. like, yeah, but when it comes to the world of accountability, it was still me. How did you kind of go through that reconciling? I know for me, I did so much stupid shit. It's like there's no way mm-hmm. I would do that. But then looking back, it's like guilty as charged, hurt some people, hurt myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, man, it's uh, doing the steps. Um, and to be completely honest, it took me a while to get through the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year, um, I went through a few sponsors and the, the thing that was keeping me sober at the time was the, the filming and traveling and, and working with people who I've been dreaming of working with my whole life. Mm-hmm. And six months in, I still, I still had a reservation of getting high. Mm-hmm, you sure. know, even though even though we've been traveling and and doing what I love to do, like I still had that reservation of getting high. And it wasn't really till like eight months, a year, maybe a little after a year, still not getting haven't gotten through the steps where I was just like, OK, maybe this sober shit is like cool. You know, this is like things are actually working out. I'm kind of happy. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I look OK. And I got the color back in my skin. Like I'm going to actually give this a, a go. And, and at this point I was working at the sober living. I was a manager, you know? Yeah. And, so, but I, I was, <laughs> I was lying to the, um, my manager at the time saying that I was doing the steps and I was doing what I needed to be doing just so he would let me travel with Zach, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I was, I was still lying at that point. Um, I didn't really start like start, start the steps until maybe like 14, 15 months sober. Mm-hmm. I started started really digging into the steps, um, but again, like a, a, a huge character deflect of mine is procrastination and laziness when it comes to the, when it comes to the real shit, you know. Right. And um, so it, I I didn't complete the steps until I had two years, and but when I when I got through the steps, it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders and. Yeah, it really allowed me to see fucking really deep into myself and and understand the things that I've done. And even to this day, you know, I, I still have feelings of, uh, for example, uh, um, survivor's guilt, you know, um, with uh, 15 overdoses. Um, and a lot of them I was saved by complete strangers narcanning me and for one of my best friends, John, he had one overdose and it took his life. And this kid, and this kid was a, a nice kid. You know, he he was very kind and, and he was so smart and, um, talented, 
and one fucking overdose took his life and and he was one of my best friends it was there was three of us there was me tom and john and all three of us we got stuck into that to the drug life and me and tom you know we were a little different we were a little meaner you know like we were assholes and but this john was just so sweet and just one fucking overdose took his life and that was a huge um that fucked me up for a long time and i i remember I was in a um, a thirty day treatment center in South Vermont, and the the uh, the I got out the twentieth the twenty eighth day. I get out, they give me my phone back, and my phone's just blowing up, and everybody's telling me John overdosed last night. He's in critical condition up in Burlington, so I fucking hitched a ride to Burlington, made it up there. I go to the front desk, I'm, and I'm, just, I'm like, "What room is John Randall in?" And they're like, "Oh, we can't find him in the system." I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Somebody just told me that he's here. And then I see the look on her face. She goes, he just passed 10 minutes ago. Oh, fuck. So, so that, that fucking moment in my life, it, dude, it spiraled me out of control. I went and uh, I bought a gram of heroin right down the street from the hospital, went back to the hospital parking lot, and um, I overdosed right in the car. And a stranger, a fucking stranger found me with the needle still in my arm, narcaned me and left, you know? And it's like things like that, that make me question. And, and I know it's not the right thing to do to question why I'm here. Why are all these beautiful things happening to me? But it's like, I, it's so hard not to think yeah. that, yeah, you know, it's, it's part of the, the gratitude, which is so important. And uh, yeah, that gives me chills. I know for here, that's been one of the things concerning Narcan, especially with uh, where we're at in the Central Valley, California. Opioids have been on a rising crisis along with yeah. heroin. And um, I mean, that's just incredible. You don't know if it was a hospital worker or is it in Vermont? Are people allowed to carry Narcan? Yeah, people were allowed to carry Narcan. There were uh, needle exchanges there that would give you, if you exchange your needles, they would give you a box of clean needles. They would give you Narcan. They would give you clean water, mm. shit like that. So. Like we, we always carried Narcan with us, but I was by myself, you know, I was in the fucking car, just completely dead with the needle still in my arm. And some dude came, found me, Narcan me and fucking left. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Just, it's, it's like they're out there, you know, one of my heroes as a kid, it's funny how you were, guys were talking about skaters that were on the edge and then got sober was like Motley Crue, Nikki Six, you know, the two adrenaline needles after the overdose. It's just crazy that you had that kind of story. But you mentioned 15 overdoses? 15 overdoses, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And, and was Narcan and, what brought you out each time? Yeah, Narcan is what brought me out each time. Um, with, one of them was in central Vermont. And I remember waking up with a tube down my throat with a bunch of EMTs standing all around me. And, um, and like when you, when you first wake up and you can't fucking say anything, you have a tube down your throat. So I'm, I'm just like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And I'm just, then I realize there's a tube down my throat. So I start freaking out. Mm -hmm. So I'm like trying to pull it out, but they're like holding my arms back. And, and the fucked up part about it was I had a bunch of dope in the closet hidden. And the very first thing, that came to my head was I hope they didn't find the dope. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the fucking insanity of it. Yeah. It, it's that with addiction. I I know I was, I was scrolling through our Twitter 
and it was someone concerning, you know, alcoholism, and and they, and it was like, hey, for those that used, where did you hide your secret stash? And it's like, fuck yeah, I remember like the bottle of rum up behind whatever in the closet, or you know, it's yeah. just, it's it's fucking crazy. People, we, we do. It's like this uncontrollable thing at times until luckily like yeah. you getting help and other people that it's uh it's encouraging anyone listening you know you can get help or share this story with others that are struggling because help is out there you can get it you can turn life around yeah it, so when when i first got the help because obviously you know with with all of us we always think that we know what's best for us because we're very hard-headed fucking people and um we don't like asking for help we don't like taking direction from other people and we don't fucking like authority you know what i mean so it's it's so hard for people like us to get the help that we need and and for myself even working working in the treatment field after having a little bit of time you know they hired me when i had eight months it's towards the end of it being in in West LA, the opiates were just, it was just mostly fentanyl mm -hmm. that was, that, uh, that was coming around and people were just fucking dropping left and right. And I, I, there was three, three incidences at my house that I was running where somebody, we, somebody would bring drugs in the house and they would fucking overdose in the bathroom. And just being able to help somebody just like myself, go that I, I've been through the same fucking shit, you know, the homelessness, the, the lying, the stealing from my mother, the stealing from my close ones. You know, I, I, I aim for my close ones because they're the easiest targets. Sure. You know, I, I went through all that shit. And so seeing people come in that were just like me and being able to share my story, help them and, and, and try to do what I can that like, that's what meant the most to me. And that's where I, the, the most growth came from. You know, and, and, I, and I learned patience and I learned uh, compassion and empathy. You know, I, I didn't know what those fucking words meant before that, you know, and so, so to be able to to do that and learn all these things, is, it was it was a blessing. And um, so that's I, I want to try to continue to do that. And I think being able to to spread the message of. Of, listen, life doesn't have to fucking be boring when you get sober. Cause that's what fucking scared me. Mm -hmm. Like I, my, I, my dumb thinking was like, why would I stop using drugs? Life sucks. Life is boring. Mine as well be high during it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so to, to share that message that like, look, life doesn't have to be like that. And it's for, and finding a passion and finding a reason to wake up in the morning is a huge fucking thing. Yeah. I definitely advocate the steps. Yeah. I definitely advocate AA and NA and all that. But like the biggest thing for me was finding that passion and finding a reason to fucking wake up, yeah. you know? Oh no, I yeah. can, I can relate 100%. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of having taken on this opportunity and it's like, even in the, you know, Carlos Fierro's book that we sent you knocking doors down, which was, you know, the precursor to this podcast with his, yeah, ironically with his brand, uh, which, you know wearing right now 5150 is about in this book you'll read where he got a 5150 is a harm to himself but then took that and it was like okay 5150 clothing brand you know lifestyle brand mm -hmm. live the madness and pursue a passion and so you know i know for me it was big it's like uh ironically before we started recording i was having anxiety then once we start talking i'm good because it's like this is yeah. my passion this is what i love yeah. to do this is what we love to do so yeah yeah that's know? dude. That, that, 
it happened to me too before we before we got on i was like doing jumping jacks and like <laughs> and like and like punching the air and like my my homie tom he's like my, he's like kind of my manager right now and he uh he's like dude what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I, was like, I was like bro i'm getting ready man you know i was playing some turbo negro you know i was, like, getting, I was just getting ready and he goes dude just be yourself you know yeah. speak from the heart you know like nobody knows your story better than you so right. just and, I was like, I was like, yeah, you're right, but I'm like, I st I'm still fucking nervous. You know? yeah. See, I can't do that shit. When I have anxiety, the last thing I need to do is like get up, jumping jacks, all that. Like, I'm trying to lower my heart rate. Like, okay, just calm. Like, I'm sitting yeah. in there like, ooh, like that's how I, that's how I get my chill. Yeah. Yeah. We'll work out later on in the day when I don't have shit else to do. You know what I mean? That's yeah. What you thought? Usually, usually, uh, usually, I'll throw on some Turbo Negro or some Slayer and. Uh, it just gets me pumped and fucking right. like, all right, dude, I'm ready to fucking do this. Yeah. yeah, I know it's odd for me still after all these years of doing like broadcasting of sorts. Still, I'm I'm a fucking wreck before, and then once I sit, I'm yeah. calm and I'm good and I'm <laughs> yeah. in the zone. You know, it's like yeah, it, dude, it's just like speaking at meetings. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. I, dude, public speaking is fucking horrible for me. Mm -hmm. For forever, for as long as I could remember, I hated it. And and nowadays, like, I get asked to speak at meetings a lot. And, you know, you can never uh, decline an AA uh, request, right. you know, so I'm just like, fuck. OK, yeah, I got you, you know, and uh, and the whole the whole like couple hours beforehand, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start off here. I'm going to make it to this point and then I'm going to end it like this. And then I as soon as I get up at the podium, I black out. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, fuck, you know, but but couple minutes in i'm good and because you just got to remember like everybody in the room is just like you you know yeah. you, you you all have something in common yeah which is which is a cool thing thing i like to remember is they say that the uh, number two fear in life is death number one is public speaking and i'd rather <laughs> give the eulogy than be in the coffin so yeah that's right it's all fucking good um so i gotta ask what point did you get uh coin the nickname uh skinny vinny <laughs> because um so uh when when i started filming with zach i, I didn't have social media sure I, I never had an instagram i had facebook but i probably hadn't logged on for like five years and um so i was like okay if i'm gonna be filming for you guys and you guys are gonna be giving me credit i need to start an instagram mm -hmm. you know and and uh, so i'm starting to think and and i was like oh, all right what's rhymes with vinny it's just like something so simple and so stupid like that i was like okay skinny vinny it's kind of funny because it's ironic because i'm far from skinny you know and then uh, i, I wanted great, it to man yeah. <laughs> thanks man and uh so i so i wanted it to just be that but somebody took already had the name and uh, i was just like all right i'm gonna throw a 666 at the end of it just to be a little controversial you know and, and uh and it's it's worked out man yeah, that's a good way. You know, we still got to have a little bit of our rebellious nature in us, right? And piss yeah. some people off, you know? Yep. I remember yep. for a while I had like, uh, uh, I was following like 666 people on Instagram and I refused <laughs> to add anybody else. And I was uh -huh. like, ah, oh, fuck, it's like my cousin. Oh, well. You yeah. guys are both tripping. I had <laughs> like. Trying to find somebody you don't really fuck with to, to <laughs> right, just right? so you can keep it at that. I yeah. had like 666 followers and I text a friend, yo, unfollow me real quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want it to be. And then I finally yeah. got like two more friend requests. I'm like, okay, you can follow me back now. We're yeah. at 668. Yeah. Like, you guys are yeah. both tripping. <laughs> to, to each their it's own. It's just being rebellious dicks. Uh, definitely yeah. nothing to offend anyone of, uh, you know, in any religious aspect. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't, not to offend anybody. And like, I have all these ridiculous, like, 
like Satan tattoos and like I, it's I, I took it a little overboard, but it's you know it's just like I like that kind of art, you know. It's not sure. like I fucking it's not like I hail Satan or anything, but it's right. just like I like that kind of art, and I definitely get a a, a lot of DMs saying that I'm either Illuminati or I, I'm a Satanist or or all this shit, and I'm just like nah, dude, I just like the art. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy too is like speaking of DMs and whatnot, it's like you are starting to get all this recognition, so you're like, oh, I, if they're gonna give me credit, I need to have a social media. And that's the way of the world now. You know what I mean? I know, like Instagram man. and whatnot. Yeah. So many people can find you in real life. Because you could be, for example, a tattoo artist, photographer, videographer. But if you're not on social media or you're in a small town, no one's going to find you. Nobody gives a and shit. Who are you? You know, I know what I mean? dude. It's, but it's you like, could be the super best tattoo too. artist in the world. Yeah. But if you're in like Flint, Michigan, and you don't yeah. have any social media, you're going to be mm -hmm. the best tattoo artist in Flint. That's really all there yeah. is to it. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, yeah you got to go with the social media route now. And it's just insane how like you can literally find or reach anybody that checks it. Yeah, so it's a good it's, thing that you and did. it's like a fucking full time job nowadays too. Oh, yeah. You know, and oh, it's, yeah. it's like the, the it's having to be so consistent with it. It's it's a fucking full time job. I I, I love it. Sure. You know, and um just it just gives me an outlet to be creative and yeah. and to and to tell my story, which is great. Um, when like about a year ago, I it got I got to the point where it was kind of messing with my my, my mental health a little bit. Um, just because like, see some, it's so hard not to get so into like the views and the likes and the comments and who the fuck is watching and who's sharing and all yeah. this shit. And like, I would put so much time and effort and money and blood, sweat and tears into these, these videos and not getting it seen by a lot of people. So it was like really messing with my mental health there for a little bit. Yeah. But right. then I, I just started to realize like, listen, we didn't get into this shit because we're we want people to watch us we got into it because it's fun and it's what we love to do mm -hmm. you know like it started with just hanging out with the bros picking up the camera and doing dumb shit to entertain us yeah that's yeah. what that's all it was you know and and now it's the it's the same thing but just more people are watching yeah yeah um and and people and and i get a lot of dms from uh from people like a lot almost every day of people saying listen man I, there's been points where I was so in, in the darkest, deepest point of my depression and, and wanting to just end things and I'll watch your guys' content and it will take me out of it for that day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like things like that, that keep me going. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. No, and, yeah. and, I, and, and I think we can relate, you know, when we really got this thing rolling, it's like, all right, when are we hitting our 10,000 listens, our 40, 50, a hundred thousand, you know, and why isn't this episode? Yeah. Cause it was so great, you know, and you kind of, forget the message and of course you know along with social yeah. media comes you know some of the the negativity of course you know like on our, our some of our posts and youtube channel and mm -hmm. but then you get that message of someone like you said that hey keep it up what you guys are doing is has made a difference i'm listening to all the yep. episodes i'm sharing them you know um it, it, and it's just each little story where they can kind of pick up it's almost become um you know like a meeting of sorts that's really vulnerable and people are fucking honest and once you start to get that it's like all right yeah that's that's why we did it you know like that's selfishly yeah. unselfish is that i'm getting yeah. it back just because we're putting it out there for every negative yeah. comment we have about 40 positive comments so i, yeah. I mean i've learned yeah. to just not read any of them <laughs> <laughs> he'll monitor them but i don't read any of the fucking comments yeah just so everybody is aware of that <laughs> I, oh, I, just, I laugh at it now i just fucking yeah laugh i, at it I laugh at it like, I, I still get a little hate comments here and there and and i just 
I, I get them back with just the most positive response. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, oh, thanks for watching, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. You know, and most most of the time, uh, they most of the time they'll, they'll respond with like, oh shit, man, like. I really didn't mean that. I was just trying to get you to respond. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of a sad (laughs) thing that's become with the social media culture is that people will put negative shit out there just to try to elicit a response as opposed to something positive, which is so fucking ironic. It's like, what does that say about you? I mean, you know, exactly. I'm kind of like, Hey, great job. Keep up the good work. And it's like, if there's nothing, I at least put the good out there in the world. I mean, that's what we should all strive to do, especially during these crazy fucking times right now that we're all in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this whole world of, uh, of just like getting recognition and even I, I've even gotten noticed sometimes on the streets and people want uh, like pictures. Like when that kind of thing happens, it's like, ugh. It's I'm just so I'm still so new to this, you know, and getting on podcasts and and telling my story and and it's it's just it's still so new to me and I love it. I, I tend to say that I'm an attention whore and I just <laughs> love attention. And I, I like I got that from Steve-O and it's just so on point that like I fucking crave attention so much that like I love people asking for pictures and people like sure. wanting, you know, want that kind of thing. But speaking um, of which, Jason, you want to throw up a piece? Or, there's a camera behind you. So this is my buddy Tom. What up, yeah, Tom? We we grew up together. Uh, we've been to the ringer. He's also uh, went through the same shit that I did. Okay. And, uh, we uh, are both grateful and blessed that we made it out. And he's kind of my manager now, and he's working for me for fucking free. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. That's awesome. You guys got out of it together and all that. Now you're doing great things. That's good shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and, and to be able to do this shit with him mm-hmm. means the fucking world to me. You know I how I how I mentioned our other buddy John. You know, and um, I know if he was still alive, he would be fucking right sitting r- right next to me, right, like, right. taking this crazy ride with us. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Well, and really, you know, uh, tell me if if I'm wrong. I know from my experience and using was a true desire of some sort of connectivity. Um, and now in sobriety, I mean, you, you know, you got it there, you, you know, with Tom and, uh, you know, I got this guy and other great people to be able to reach out to and loved ones and, you know, yeah. that trying to be present in moments and situations and just take it in and, you know, fuck it's, yeah. it's uh, I'm like you, I wouldn't trade it. Oh no, I, I wouldn't trade it for the fucking world. And to be able to have this conversation that we're having now in his house where we pretty much grew up with, grew up in. And then we kind of all went our separate ways for years, you know, uh, like I was doing my own thing. Um, he was doing his own thing. Um, we both did a little bit of jail time, you know, and to be able to come back where it all fucking started and to do what we are doing now. It's like, it's a fucking beautiful thing, right. you know? And uh, like right before this, uh, we started talking, I was looking out the windows cause John's house is right across the street. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just staring at John's house and I was like, fuck man, he would, he would really enjoy what we're doing right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't trade it for the fucking world for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we're going to get to some rapid questions here in a few minutes okay. and then uh, let you uh, kind of have a final words of encouragement. But if people want to mm-hmm. check you out on social media, other projects you're doing, uh, where can people hit you up at? So you can find me on Instagram at skinnyvinny666. Uh, my Facebook is just Vinny and Parati. 
Um, I am on Twitter. I think it's uh, Skinny Vinny six six six. I'm not really on Twitter that much as I okay. should be. Um, but my TikTok Skinny Vinny six six six. That's really about it. But um, yeah, check me out, guys. For yeah. sure. Well, I know we're following you on Instagram. We'll make sure to find you on all the other platforms and, and add you there so uh, we can oh, get yeah. the message out. And we'll put all the links in the description for uh, everyone to check out and follow Vinny too. Keep up with what he's got going on. Uh, I appreciate Mike, that. You're up first. All right. If you could have dinner with anybody, dead or alive, celeb, non-celeb. Oh, just one person. One person. Oh, man. Um, Chris Farley. Oh, that was – we talked to Tom Farley, his brother, and he was – Oh, really? <laughs> he yeah. was saying that um, – Chris Chris wasn't acting. However you've seen him in movies, yeah. Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, that's how he was. Yeah. Like he was talking yeah. to David Spade at nighttime. They're both laying in bed. Who's your favorite superhero? Or something like that. Yeah. He said that's how Chris was. Like that's yeah. how they would talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Vinny, yeah, uh, you definitely got to go check out that episode. What he was ta- there was the, my favorite story he's talking about because him and uh, Tom and Chris shared a room. And they're laying in bed and Chris is like, uh, hey, if, if you were trapped in a room – with Frankenstein and Wolfman, uh, which one would you prefer it to be? I I, I don't I don't know Frankenstein because he moves slow. No no you can't get out of the room. Okay okay I don't know the the Wolfman then because he would bite me and get it over with. Yeah no no but then you would be the Wolfman. It's just like fuck <laughs> you know it's like okay this started in adolescence you know it was, yeah <laughs> it's just like oh shit. yeah dude it, it would definitely have to be Farley. He's a, a one of the biggest legends in my eyes man. Oh, yeah, so yeah. funny. Absolutely. Definitely make sure to check out that episode and let us know what I you will. thought. I definitely will. Um, who do you think has been your biggest inspiration or mentor in life? Ooh. Um, and maybe they're two different things. Yeah. Um, so in, as far as inspiration goes, uh, I, uh, there's there's a couple people, you know. Um, Tom's up there on that list. Um uh, Steve-O is a huge one. Novak is a huge one. Mm. Um, just obviously because they're, they're in the same world as, as we are. And, uh, yeah. as far as like what we do and what we're trying to, uh, pursue and, and spread as far as the message goes, you know? And, um, but as far as a mentor goes, you know, it's, I never really had a mentor. Um, my, for the past few years, uh, his name's Derek. He was the uh, the guy that runs Design for Recovery. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a little younger than I am, but he was the, uh, the program director. And he, I, I never really had a, like a male figure, like an older male figure, growing up to like ask for advice or to talk yeah. to chicks about, or you know, it was just always me and my mom, and I, I was just surrounded by females. Mm-hmm. And um, so never really had that older male figure, and and. I mean, I would talk to my mom about chicks and stuff like that, but we were just like too, our, our friendship was bigger than the actual like mother to son dynamic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I would have to say Derek because he, he really took me under his wing and, and like taught me how to be a man. It's weird to say, you know, he's, I'm 33. I want to say he's 27 and he, he just really taught me the, the things that I needed to know to like, bro, he, t- he taught me like how to shake a hand firmly right. and how, how to, how to like look somebody in their eyes when, when you're talking to them mm-hmm. and to just like have respect, like, like as, as simple as treat others with respect the way you would want to be treated, yeah. you know, because I didn't, I didn't know that shit during my addiction, yeah. you know? And uh, so 
Yeah, yeah I would have to say Derek. It's almost like shout, shout out to Derek. Shout out to Derek, man. We need more yeah. of those. Like almost like what Charlie Sheen said when we we talked to him a little bit ago. He he said common sense and common courtesy. You know. Yeah. Like, there you go. It's like yep. pff, fuck, right? Yeah. And it's it's so simple, but we make it so fucking <laughs> difficult. You know? Yes, we do. And yeah. the heartbreaking blow. Char- Charlie had told me that I'd never be able to come an actor because of tattoos. So that was kind of <laughs> he's, he's I know, shattering. Dude, I know. But you know, what he yeah, said do. no heavy ink and no pipe. <laughs> so no, no <laughs> ink and no crack. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, no crack. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh shit. All right. Um, what is your favorite cuss word? Fuck. I did, right? Mine too. It's Why? so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> it's so powerful and you can Fuck. use it in so many fucking ways. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what is it? There's that thing out there that it's a it's a noun, it's a verb, it's an adverb, it's an adjective, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on too and how you change up the wording and where a comma is. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what uh, do you have any other hobbies besides the work that you're doing that people might be surprised? Um. Clothing, uh, like fashion, is a is a big one. For really. Me. Uh, yeah. Uh, sports. Um. Yeah. <sighs> I wouldn't say all mo- all sports. Uh, it used to be baseball and basketball growing yeah. up, but now it's more like uh, boxing and MMA and um, stuff like that. Nice. But I lately, man, it's just I've just been so on a one track mind. Uh, I've just been so fucking focused on this goal I have um, to where I want me and my team to be in the next couple of years, and um, I really haven't had any extra time to like watch a match yeah, or sure. the, the, like Tom was watching the football game and I, like, uh, I was like, Oh, what kind of like, is this a big game or something? And he's like, dude, it's like the AFC championship. Well, don't like, worry, Vinny, like, you're not missing much. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fucking chiefs again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you I mean, think- I, I do know that, that Brady is going to his 10th uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, that's really all I know. You know, yeah, that's all yeah. you need to know. As long as he's playing, just consider him in the fucking Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you think fashion kind of was it, had become a thing going from being a homeless, uh, you know, homeless heroin addict living in a porta potty that now it's kind of like, all right, looking good is kind of that mentality of feeling good too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, um. Especially being in front of the camera with so many eyes on you, you want to look okay, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, like to be honest, I'm a very simple dude. I, I, my favorite color is black. <laughs> I uh, I wear I wear black uh, classic Vans all day every day. Um, but when I, I especially nowadays with things getting a little bit bigger, and um, I I try to I try to go a little outside the box with things that I'm not really accustomed to, you know. Um, and it, I don't think it it has to be like that, but I think it comes. It also comes with some growth, you know, like stepping outside of the box and getting comfortable with the uncomfortability, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that's that's why I think fashion is important. Right oh, on, yeah. dig absolutely. it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are some of your pet peeves? <laughs> uh, the fucking shut door button in the elevators <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that why because it doesn't work because you hit the button and it never fucking shuts <laughs> it doesn't work uh, yep. it doesn't fucking work dude. why are you Every even time. here why are you yes. even there <laughs> yeah dude it's like and, and and i and i still hit it every single time <laughs> to right. shut the door faster but it never works uh, the know? only it's, time it's it works is in a fucking movie right 
the person's <laughs> being chased and you hit the button and bam, they shut. Yeah. In real life, just, fuck dude, off. Oh God. It's so funny. You asked me that too. Cause like, uh, like two weeks ago when I was in Texas, I was staying at this hotel and uh, I get in the elevator and of course I go for the fucking shut door button and it didn't shut right away. And I started screaming. I was like screaming, fuck. I'm the only one in the elevator. I'm just like this fucking button. What the fuck? Why did they even make these fucking things? Just screaming to myself, man. Ugh. I don't think I'm going to be able to go in an elevator and not think about you now. <laughs> and not think about it. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's funny. Um, yeah. All right. Here's a good one. This is a fun one. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, probably to fly. Um, either fly or uh, to have uh, me maybe in invisibility, to be invisible or some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Why? Never really thought of that. Why fly or why invisibility? Because I mean, who wouldn't want to fly, right? You just want to fucking <laughs> yeah, just uh, just to be able to fly. It's just probably the, the most freeing fucking feeling, you know. Um, yeah, like really fly with no substances. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. This is sober flying. Yeah, sober flying. Because there's been times where I thought I was flying on LSD for sure. Right? Oh, right. I could only imagine. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a good one. If there were to be a movie made about you, who would you want to play you? What actor would you want to portray you? John fucking Belushi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dead, dead or alive? He's dead, right? We could do oh, dead yeah. or alive. That's all right. Yeah. Dead or alive. Yeah. John Belushi, for sure. Yeah. That's, John a, Belushi. that's a good one, Tom. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a shit ton of energy. Yeah. That would be good. Maybe Chris Farley could have pulled it off. Holy yeah, shnikey, skinny mini, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, Vinny. Hey, man, this is this has been a blast. Um, yeah, man, it's been fun. For uh, anybody that's out there listening, we like to leave you with the last words of, of encouragement, um, you know, be it someone that's seeking sobriety, just starting out or continuing their sobriety, or maybe a a loved one of someone that's struggling uh any words that you can lend to him from your perspective uh yeah so there are a couple loved ones out there that i uh that are struggling pretty fucking bad right now and um where they're at right now thank god they're in a like a um a structured environment with some accountability but they're still not getting it and all i have to say for people like that that are in those kind of environments is just fucking stay you know just stay listen to people take fucking direction um like i said earlier in the conversation find a passion find a reason to wake up in the morning i i consider myself very fucking lucky because i knew what my passion was and there are a lot of people out there that don't know what they want to do in life um but in that time of just staying stay fucking put you know put in some work put in some fucking work you know it's not going to be easy you know if it was easy everybody would fucking do it um everybody would be sober if it was easy um but the the big one is just stay fucking put and take some direction you know um it's obviously this this the sponsorship and the the steps are very important um it's 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 just finding again dude finding a passion was the biggest fucking thing for me and i could only speak for myself and my story and how how things worked for me um but the the passion was the biggest thing yeah absolutely
Anything yeah. else, Mr. Naraki? No, that's it, man. Again, thank you for your time, dude. This has been fun. Yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. Again, thank you guys for uh, for giving me this opportunity. It was fun. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard, always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150LTM.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. Skinny Vinny, what a great guy. He's a fun guy, man. He, he was fun to talk to. I like that guy. But living in a porta potty, using the water that fell through when it rained for his heroin, like, fuck, man. Yeah. It just goes to show you how far addiction can take you into what extremes of losing total humanity, but that anyone can come back. It's never too late. Oh, yeah. Anything's possible, that's for sure. You just got to want it. You got to want to get better. Yep. It's only up to you. Yeah, nothing in this life that's uh, worth achieving comes easy, comes free, and you just have to go after it. Absolutely. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel by searching Knocking Doors Down Podcast on YouTube. Get subscribed as more of our videos of the full interview start making it up there. So not only can you see the guests, you can hear the guests and enjoy that way. And it's easy to share on your social media too. And for those that have been doing that, we really appreciate the continual support. Anything else, Mr. Naraki? No, I'm going home. All right. Keep knocking doors down. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.